I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. What's up, Kate? Hi. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Kate. This is Mike. So we have a very special guest on the show today. All of our guests are very special, but this one's special in a different way because we've known her for so long. So I met Elizabeth Ryder. You met her way before I did. I Gosh, I mean, probably in 2006. We have known each other for a freaking long time. So Elizabeth and I met through USANA, the network marketing company that uh, we both built businesses with that we're both sort of semi-happily retired from, Um, though still loving the products. And Mm -hmm. I was blown away from the minute I met her by her level of leadership and drive and organizational skills and systematic thinking. And she and I both came up kind of in the internet marketing world together. We were learning alongside each other. I introduced her to Marie Forleo and B-School, and she went on to create an incredibly high traffic recipe and health blog utilizing what she learned both from our network marketing from her network marketing career but also by becoming a student of online marketing and she has a brand new book out which is beautiful called The Health Habit and I'm just you know it's really fun to we've known each other since our early 20s And it's just so fun to witness somebody evolve and grow and check off some of their dreams, you know? And so we were really happy to have this conversation. And we went in a few places that I did not expect. And Mm -hmm. I was so excited to learn about how to massively increase your blog traffic. So you're going to learn about that in this episode. I got some great tips that I've already been implementing when naming podcast episode titles. So you'll find out about that. And yeah. We talk about how to create recipes or like how to really cook and how she creates recipes very simple. Because a lot of times you look at a recipe book, you know, you buy these books and you look at it and there's like 25 ingredients and you're like, how am I going to put all this together? I don't even know what mushrooms are, right? Like, you know, it's just like how, what products are actually are you using that you can get everywhere? So she grew up in Montana. We talk about that and just how in Montana, you don't have everything or access to what you have in LA or New York City or San Francisco. So she built a lot of her recipes from that place of simplicity to what is actually in your area. Which is why Um, I actually really love her recipes because I can do them. Yes, they're fantastic. (laughs) So Elizabeth Ryder, a little bit more about her, is a leading nutrition and whole living expert teaching women around the world how to become the healthiest, most successful version of themselves possible. In a... (laughs) Oh my God. I, <laughs> I'll i tell you in a second after I'm finished. Okay. It, it, the whole living piece really, because of this podcast I was listening to earlier, it's in a world flooded with diet information, Elizabeth, healthy recipes and straightforward nutrition advice draw millions of inspired readers to her popular blog. I mean, we're talking, she gets like 10 million hits a year on her blog is what she said. And eight to she 10 million. tells you how. In yes, this episode. she does. She also hosts Elizabeth Eats on FMTV. It's delightfully changing the way the world views healthy cooking or home cooking. She speaks on stages and around the world, mentors scores of scores of ambitious people each year to seek and live life on their own terms. 
She's a certified health coach from Integrative Nutrition and accomplished online entrepreneur cultivating a lifestyle of freedom and health is her religion. Elizabeth is a graduate of Cornell University plant-based nutrition program, a TEDx speaker, and they've been her recipes have been featured in Forbes, Shape.com, Mind Body Green, BuzzFeed, and the Zoe Report. Amazing. Pretty cool. So enjoy the episode. We will take you down a couple of walks down memory lane, some of the behind the scenes of uh We'll tell you a story about how I told her there were fairies in her closet. And then you'll learn also how to create a high traffic block. <laughs> Enjoy. Hey, Elizabeth. Welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, Thanks being, for being here. here. Okay. So let's just get right to it. Small town girl from Montana. <laughs> like yes. Goes big in network marketing. Gets big book deal. Like what? I mean, we're going to talk about <laughs> that's your headline today. That's, I like it. I like it. You like it? Um, she didn't really come from a small town though. Mid-sized town girl. There's more people and there's 80,000 people. people are in well, Billings? Billings let, let, let me just clarify. Billings is the biggest metropolis in a four state radius. Montana, okay. Wyoming, the Dakotas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was growing up, it was about 80,000. It's probably the county now is Yellowstone County. I don't know the exact numbers, probably between 100 and 150,000. Okay. So where I'm from, it's the city. The epicenter. It's yeah. the epicenter. That's right. So after growing up there and going other places, obviously to most people, it's a small town. But it's not like, I mean, I need to take you two through Montana. There are some small towns where like. We've been through Montana. We've been. It was yeah. shocking. I mean. Takes like two even, days to drive through this. And I'm not even place. talking I-90. Like on I-90 where you guys drove through, those are big towns. Like I'm talking like off of the highway, like down some dirt roads. Yeah. yeah. If you blink, you're like, wait, that was a, it's actually like a township. Like, right. so to me, small town, I think means something different. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, other people. well, okay. So in all fairness, I grew up outside of Portland, Maine, which is right. the largest city in Portland, which is population. In Maine. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> large city in Maine, which is population 60,000. And I still consider myself a small town girl because in the grand scheme yes. of the planet, you know, small yeah, but town. The town really, is wait, Portland, Portland, Maine is 60,000 people? Or uh -huh. yeah. No, Portland, Maine is 60,000 people. Yarmouth, where I'm from, is 7,000 people. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, maybe oh. 9,000. The, the greater Portland area is about 250. Right. Like Portland downtown, 60,000. Exactly. Like the greater okay. Billings area, like the entire Yellowstone County is about 150,000 ish. Yeah. Yeah. How about this? <laughs> Woman <laughs> from non densely populated area in Montana <laughs> makes it big in network marketing, gets awesome book deal, <laughs> writes gorgeous health book that will change lots of lives. Thank okay. you. You know what's interesting? And I love. So, I mean, everyone listening should know this. I mean, Kate, you and I met a long time 12 ago. 12 years ago. I mean, long, 50, I, I don't mean, know. How. I met you. I was probably 26, so 10 the, years ago. Yeah, I met you at that wellness workshop in Denver for our, within our network marketing company. And that, yeah, gosh, I, I don't even, it was like 2006 or 2004. So long ago. Um, yeah. And what I love about doing the circuit now is like, especially with friends and like on podcasts, is hearing through the lens, like that's your headline for me through your lens, right? Right. So I love that. I did hit it big in network marketing. And, and we can talk about this, we can dive into the process. The book deal really came from my blog traffic, which had right. really nothing to do with my 
network marketing business. And what was interesting is people who, who know me from USANA, they're like, how did you go from network marketing to book deal? And of course, when you're successful in something, it bolsters success everywhere. But my book deal came from, hey, I'm like, I've been blogging recipes since when, remember on Facebook when you had to have a network from your college? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how long I've been blogging. Right. So it's the 10 million to 15 million views a year my blog gets from organic Google traffic that made Hay House go like, hey, you want to write a book? <laughs> Which also, P.S., was helpful for your network marketing business. Yeah, that's how I built it. So I think like it's actually the blogging is the foundation and then the other two things are parallel things that happened even though the book deal happened after the network marketing mostly. Mm -hmm. Would you say that? Absolutely. Yep. And in your case, it was blogging. Someone else could be, it's just content, right? So for people people listening, yeah. Consistent content. content. And honestly, and and I'll, I'll get on my soapbox for a minute. I love you when you get on your soapbox. I'll get you on have my so soapbox. many good ones. <laughs> your blog, be it a written blog like mine, a podcast that you still put on your blog, a vlog that you still put on your blog, video, podcast, audio, written blog, whatever it is, is the epicenter of any personal brand. And if someone is not paying attention to that, they're doing it wrong. I see way too many people in the industry who are like, I want to monetize my Instagram. I want to grow my Instagram following. I want to do this. And they literally don't have the website. I'm like, your blog is it. That's what's like literally sustaining my life right now is the Google history. Like you don't have Google history on your Instagram posts, people, (laughs) you know, it's the Google history on my blog. So I want to put that out there to like, it doesn't have to be recipes. It doesn't have to be written. It doesn't have to be my form of content or my style of content, but whatever it is, whether it's podcast, video blog, Whatever your content is, like get a home for it. And it's not social media. Love that. Correct. That's yeah. Excellent, excellent tip. Yeah. So what when you were growing up in your non-densely populated (laughs) (laughs) did you I feel like there are some people who just always knew they were meant to do I don't even want to say big things, but like meant to go out and impact the world. Did you always know that you were going to go chart your own course or was this something that occurred to you like in your twenties? That's a good question. I think you don't know what you don't know. So I think you may be in a similar boat where like growing up, like I didn't even know this was an option. This had actually what you and I do right now hadn't even been invented yet when we were in high school, right? That is so true. Correct. Yeah. It, it wasn't so like, you can't see what you don't even have a concept of. It wasn't even, you know, and, and really, frankly, women like Marie, who we are both affiliates for and friends of pioneered this idea, created, invented this job, this career, right? Of it's hard to even put into words, like an online personal brand that sells stuff. What is it that we do? Elizabeth? <laughs> I know, right? I've gotten to the point when, because I, you know, they're obviously like you guys, like, you know, 95% of my content's free. And then I sell things to my email list. And that's how I live. When people, you know, I, I've met so many people in the past few years, they're like, what do you do? And it's like boiled down to like, I sell things on the internet. And if they want to ask me what those things are, then I'll get into the details. But it's like, I just, I basically sell things on the internet. Um, there's so much more to it than that. Like I give a lot of free stuff away on the internet and sell a few things on the internet is probably a better way to say it. But we have a personal brand, right? That's, it's the concept of having a personal brand that you can do anything with. Right. And yeah. so obviously you didn't know you wanted to do that when right. you were growing so up. Because it didn't growing work. up, that didn't really exist yet, right? I knew I had this idea. 
I remember in high school, I used to say like, I want to major in international business. Cause I had this idea of like, I knew I wanted to get out in the world and do something. What that thing was, I didn't know because I, again, you don't know what you don't know. Like back then it was like, I could be a lawyer or an accountant or, you know, one of those things, because that's what I knew. That's, those are the job titles that I knew of. So did I envision being a blogger who sells things on the internet? No, I think, <laughs> I think people like us created that. We invented that. I guess so. Yeah. That's I mean, kind of cool. Know if we invented it. I mean, sure. but I will say like when we got started in 2008, 2009, 2010, like it was a different time than it is now, 10 years yep. later. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So when did you start? Well, your- now, like oh. even greater, I mean, kids are making millions and millions of dollars yeah. making YouTube videos. Crazy. Like that wasn't a thing a decade. No, ago, absolutely. Right? No. I will say for anyone listening, I want to clarify it's easier now in certain ways. Yeah. 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 In certain I ways. believe it's easier now in certain ways. I think you have to be really careful who you take advice from and Kate, you and I, we, we, and Mike, we, we spoke about this kind of, then we were like, we have to hit record. So we don't say all the good stuff while we're not recording. <laughs> like, don't try and do all the things people want to get into, you know, this world. And they're like podcast, video blogs, online courses, physical products, affiliate marketing, like literally like there's like a, you know, buffet of items in the online business world. Right. And they're like, want to take one of everything off the buffet and then you can't finish it all. So you can get into this world based on, you know, you have to be realistic and understand like, what are your skills or what skills do you want to develop? All skills can be developed. What is your thing? And of course you're going to have to try some things, right? To figure out what your thing is. Nobody comes in and this is a big problem in the industry too. People come in and they're like, I only made, you know, $500 off my first launch. I'm like, that's amazing. That's incredible. I had two people in my first online program. And when I say that to people, they're like, oh, were you disappointed? I was like, I'm like, no, I was ecstatic. I had two people, like it worked, (laughs) you know? I know, right. It's It's proof of concept. Like if two people will pay you, 2000 people will pay you. Absolutely. So I think that there's just, and this happens as any industry grows, right? Like in tech right now, when people are coming up in tech, you know, they're comparing themselves to like the Snapchats or the, you know, the Dropbox or whatever these like unicorns, right? So people see in online marketing, you know, someone who's, you know, there, there are unicorns, but for the most part, people have to, you know, test their concepts, hone in on their strategy, reevaluate, test, 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 tweak, tweak, tweak. And then you'll get to a point where it, it sustains itself and it works. You know, you don't hit it big right out the gate. Okay. On that point, which I love and I totally agree, what are some things along the way that you tried that you were like, oh yeah, nope, that's not my thing. Do you mind sharing a few examples? Because I think it's sometimes illustrative to know what ended up being laid by the wayside because <laughs> none oh. of us in, can see those things in public anymore. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely one-on-one in group coaching. My skill set I've learned, and this is why I don't do those types of things anymore, is taking my experience and information that I know and distilling it in a way that's easy to understand into a process somebody can follow. So for me, my skill set is very much honed in on and leads to online courses. Because I know if I can put someone through one of my online courses, there's no fluff. It's clear. They've learned a lot. There's a strategy. They come out of it being like, I didn't feel like I was wasting time or that it was dragging on. They learned a lot. 
They got their value. That's where my skill set is. And, and that's different for different people, right? One-on-one mm-hmm. coaching and group coaching drains me. Like mm-hmm. it's not my zone of joy, right? So, you know, that's definitely something I still do once a year and who knows where this will go with, with my B school group. I do the once a week call and they get a ton of value out of that. So I record those and archive them and do the whole thing. But I've just come to realize I'm like, that's it for me for the year. I will commit to that. And that's it. I'm not doing, I, I, it drains me too much to do anything else. Whereas, you know, creating a course and giving somebody a ton of value is my skill set, And that's not everybody's skill set. You know, some, some people are like, I've created all these courses and no one's taking them or no one finishes them. It's like, well, it's not your skill set. Yeah. Yeah. It's hmm. probably a good point. Yeah. How like, talk to me about when you feel drained around this, because mm. you know, I know there's a lot of, I'm sure there's people listening that feel drained from doing things. So what does that look like for you where you've come to this realization to know like, this is not for me? Mm, like, how did I know I was drained? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I don't look forward to doing the next one. Mm. Such a great gauge. And, you know, I mean, obviously you guys are, Kate's the queen of this and you guys together, you guys like have mastered this, like the do less philosophy and the understanding of like managing your energy. Something I've, I'm proud of myself for that I've, become good at over the years is creating a lot of space in my days to be creative, you know, to, to write the books, to write the blog posts. Like I, I shine creating that type of content. Like it's, it's easy for me to create a blog post. And I, I'm actually excited to sit down and write my blog posts. We have a really awesome one coming out. I recorded a video of how to make veggie stock. Like, you know, to somebody's like, Oh my God, that sounds awful. It sounds so boring. Like I would dread doing that. Probably like Kate. <laughs> I'm like, me. I'm making a video of me making veggie stock. Sounds like my worst nightmare. <laughs> describing, yeah. What you're yeah. I'm thinking about something else, so I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. So for me, like, I'm, I shine and like, you know, I just, like, I did one on ginger turmeric bone broth. And people are like, well, what if I don't want the bones and it's freaking me out? I'm like, okay, let me show you guys how to make veggie stock. And there's some like nuances and I'm really good at making veggie stock and I save people a lot of money by doing it the way I do it. And you know, infuse more nutrition into their food. And so like, it excites me to create that video and to write that post. And I know that I'm good at it. And then Google will be sending people there for the next 20 years. Right. So that time very well spent. I'm very well spent. So that I like, um, <laughs> but when I'm like, you know, have to get on the group call, like I said, for that six weeks that I do it of the year, I do that excites me because I see them light up so much. And I do like that, but like the prep for it and getting on it, it just isn't, again, it's not in my zone of joy. Yeah, mm. it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I have a question. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I do have two questions. But go On on. that, because uh, I was about to change the topic. Yeah, well, it's about the Google. Cause Me too, I want to know. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had, this was a totally, <laughs> like, what? I had a totally <laughs> random question and then we'll come back to Google. Did you play, what sports did you play when you were younger? Did you play sports? Well, I... Did not play group team sports. I did play like basketball and t-ball, you know, when you're like in third grade or something like that. My middle sister, Kara, is a natural born athlete. Like Billings got soccer when I was in high school. (laughs) Right. Wow. And Kara was a junior and she'd never. So, so this is when like soccer came to us. So she'd never, she knew what soccer was, but she never played soccer. Like walks on just as like, yeah, sure. I'll play like scores the winning goal in the national or in the state championship, like just like star player, all of these things was also a star softball player. So I like go on to play softball in eighth grade and the 
coach is so stoked because she's two years older than me. <laughs> the Kara's sister's coming. Like, this is it. Kara's the shortstop. Like, she's such a, just literally never really practiced that much. Just a natural born athlete. And like, I show up and she's like, okay, great. <laughs> um, so my, like, I'm very athletic though. So I, I danced for 18 years. I'm a dancer. Yeah. Yes. And cheerleader. So I excel. I have my yoga teacher training. I did my Pilates teacher training. So I excel in dance and yoga and Pilates and those types of physical yeah. activities. And I consider myself athletic in that way. But like in college, actually my college roommates, there were six of us that lived in this house they like started this intramural volleyball team and I was like, that would be fun. And they were like, mm. <laughs> I was like, I'll just come watch. I'll well, just it's, watch. It, it's interesting just because like the way you describe what you thrive in, in your business is it's, it's like being like alone. Well, like, in a way. Like, I'm an introvert. like, yeah, yeah, introvert, but just like operate because introverts still work good in groups. Right. But it's like, totally. you really thrive when you are thinking of your ideas and helping people and not in like a group type of a setting. In my previous career, I do remember one of my, you know, kind of mentors manager once told me, he's like, he's like, I like it when you can get in a room by yourself because you think really fast, you can, you know, like create the plan for the team. Right. So I, I, I do think like my brain, when I, if I can, you know, have that hour of time to think and to write, I fire on all cylinders. Yeah, for sure. Totally. That's great. Cool. Do you remember the dance class we went to on the cruise ship together? Oh. <laughs> the Fosse? We went to a Fosse dance class I on that do. cruise ship. I, thank you like, for mentioning that. Bar. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just thought we should recall for a moment how fun oh, that was. Holy cow. Kate, I forgot that we went on a, I mean... This is how long we've known each other. I we forgot that we went cruises. on a cruise together. We went, um, did we go, did we go on two? two with Liz? I don't two. know. We we anyway, we, I know cruises. we only did one Fosse dance class well, in, in yeah. the bar at like 1 p.m. It was in the bar. I do remember that. It I was, was like, what is my great. life right now? <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty great. I felt like a fast forward in, for like when we're 85. Okay, the so Google. Let's go to now the Google. We're, we're circling back Google. to the Google. Because we do very little with, like our business does not depend on Google traffic. Mm -hmm. And so, though we have it, obviously. <laughs> but I'm curious because perhaps that's an area that we could improve or that your, our listeners could improve upon. Do you decide your content based on knowing what people are searching for on Google? Or do you just publish what you know your people want? And because you're publishing recipes, you know it's going to do well. Both and no. So <laughs> I will walk you through that. So and, here's a little... And then can you explain how you set up your blog posts? Like well, Mike, Mike, I'm glad you asked because I have an online course coming out teaching oh. you how to do exactly oh, that. Oh, good. Great. That's so perfect. That's actually When can out people of... expect that? Expect that early 2020. So what's Great. interesting is that, like I said, my blog, I mean, 10 to 15 million hits a year and increasing rapidly, like it'll be 20 to well, 30 the million book. by the end of like first quarter from organic Google traffic. And I started to think of like, you know, people have been asking me like, how do you do that? And I've never really put that much time and attention into that. And then I was like, actually there is, I do write my blog post in a very specific way that I want to teach people about. And the course will be me actually like, I'm going to screen record live me writing blog posts so people can see like exactly what I do because it's a hybrid of those two things. So I don't do keyword research, which I think is really different than some people. Look, if keyword research worked, everybody would have millions of views because that is, you know, something mm -hmm. that's taught. 
although keywords are important, the bigger thing is, you know, naming the posts. I'll give everybody like part of the course right now. The biggest thing is name your post, what your customer would Google. So for me, you'll notice that a lot of my posts, like it's like the best black bean brownie recipe, how to make homemade bone broth, you know, how to make veggie stock and save money, you know, like, because the Google algorithm, and it just got a big update. So this is going to be part of the course too, because the Google algorithm just got an update, but you have to include what the person is going to type to search at certain points in the blog post and in the title. So like one of the things that really set my blog just off on traffic, which I didn't even know, this was one of those, like, it was like a random morning, like eight years ago. And I wanted granola and I was like really getting into my health journey then. And I was like, there's so much crap in granola. And I, I like knew the ingredients of granola and I was like, I can just make my own granola. So I made healthy homemade granola literally with what I just had in my kitchen, in my little house in Denver. Do you guys remember when you stayed with me in Denver? Yep. Um, sweet. <laughs> sweet little house. Like not I told you there kitchen. were fairies in the closet. Yes. <laughs> we have to talk about that after this, but I make this granola. <laughs> I like, I'm like, wow, this turned out amazing and it's really healthy and it's low sugar and it's so good for you. So I like pop it up on my blog and literally that post is the top search for homemade granola. And it has been for years. Like in the world. In the world. Yeah. So amazing. So what's interesting, and, and now in hindsight, I didn't know this then, right? But I named that post healthy homemade granola. That's what it is. Some people would be like, the one breakfast you need to know, right? Which is a good subject line for the email. Yes. Two different things. Two different things. So name the post what your people would search. Keep it short. Um, Google doesn't like, you know, too many characters. There, there's just some things. And then there's some very specific ways to write a post the way you upload things. I mean, this is, this course is going to be something I'm excited about because it's also a course people can get through start to finish in like four hours. That's my promise. Like four to five hours. I love that. It's going to be something somebody can buy, literally get done one day and like change the trajectory of your Google traffic. That's awesome. I'm not going to, you know, I love long courses. I have a long, long courses too, sure. but I can't like, I don't want to, people need to be able to action. Like let's, let me teach you a tangible skill that is actionable, that is going to actually make an impact on your business. That is what our friend Amy Porterfield called a spotlight course. Yes. Yes. I'm just learning. I'm just using what I'm learning. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And as I was reading your book for this call, I read in the book, The Healthy Homemade Granola We came across recipe, this recipe. And I was like, I want to make that. Yes. So there we go. I also did your overnight oats recipe with, okay. the, with the chia. Like I will say your stuff is easy and delicious. So Thank you. I admire that. As somebody who's like not so big on the cooking, right. it's also inspiring that like you can do quick things that really, yeah. really don't take you forever because yeah. that's not my style. I'm glad you mentioned that. And I'll say to anybody here who wants a recipe blog, I mean, do you do you, right? So another reason, you know, my blog works is because I'm doing me, but people keep coming back to you because, you know, 99.999% of the world is not a professional chef. So if you can teach somebody to make something that is easy to pull together with relatively easy to find ingredients, they will keep coming back to you. Right. Right. Like a goji berry maca smoothie is super fun when you're in New York and you're like, want to go downtown or like a smoothie bowl in Bali. But like so few people are going to go to that length to make their smoothie. So keep it, you know, keep it relative to people's lives. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's actually, can you build off that when you are planning your recipes? Because Mm -hmm. that is one thing I did notice as I was looking at everything that you have laid out. It's fairly, like it's, because it does get, a lot of cookbooks can get very complicated and it's very Mm -hmm. overwhelming. Right. But when you're looking at, and then I always screw up the recipes. Yeah. And then you're like, Oh, I got to plan all of this stuff to go to the grocery store to get it. And then you forget or whatever. So right. talk about that when you are planning your food and like, have you always been simple when it comes to putting your stuff together? Has it been this journey that you've gone through as you've kind of got to this place you're at now? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, most of my blog is honestly what I've been eating that week or month. And it's like, maybe I saw something at a restaurant. Like I have, like, there's a recipe in there for chicken poblano chili. I had a soup like that somewhere. And I was like, well, not that exact recipe, but it was something like that. And I, I think I get this from my mom, which is like more in my DNA. I kind of have that knack for, I can taste something and I know what's in it. You know, like I can pinpoint the spices or the herbs or whatever's in it. And then like, how can I make that at home? So a $7 bowl of soup turns into a $7 pot of soup. You know, something that's really benefited my recipe blog too is my recipes are fairly reasonably inexpensive to make. You know, I don't generally publish things that are going to require a $40 ingredient Hmm. because the majority of the population cannot do that. So my recipes are, you know. It's a small town Montana right there. This is is why you are doing so well. Yes. Someone in Montana, well, here's the thing, you guys. I lived in Bozeman, even smaller town. There's one natural grocery store there that does great, the co-op. But they have like one brand of olive oil or two brands of olive oil, right? There's like not like at Whole Foods where like you walk in and there's like 13 different brands to choose from. And a lot of ingredients just literally you can't even get. Yeah. You know, so sometimes when people live in coasts or in big cities, they're forgetting like, chanterelle mushrooms it's like literally that is so inaccessible for people you know and and that's still great i love that type of food so i'm not knocking that type of food but if you want a high traffic recipe blog you've got to be creating things that a person can go to the grocery store and get the ingredients for and make so there's that you know the the recipes and the health habit so hay house approached me to write the book and i thought the book would be my first book would be a recipe like a cookbook and they were like, we really want a lifestyle book. We want, for whatever reason, they wanted it. You know, that's just their publishing. That was the zeitgeist. And I was like, okay. And so I was like, will there be recipes in it? Will they be like interspersed in the chapters? Will it be an index? Like how, what will the recipes look like? So I wrote the book and I just decided, I was like, look, we've got to put at least some recipes in here because I want to do a 28 day kickstart and I need to give them some ideas. Yeah. I can't just be like, go eat healthy. And then be like, nothing. Right. So the recipes in the health habit are, there's probably 20% of them are brand new, not published, but a lot of them are actually just the most popular recipes from my blog. And I cook off of ingredients that I have mostly in my refrigerator. So when you're looking at it, like there's a lot of common themes, right? Like you, you rarely have to go buy one ingredient for one of my recipes that you'll never use again. You're going to see things, you know, olive oil, chia seeds, hemp seeds, you know, cumin, chili powder, like you're going to see things, cinnamon that keep showing up every now and again. Like I taught people how to make homemade pho and you have to go buy whole star anise. It's like, yeah, that's the only recipe you're going to find a whole star anise. Yeah, but it's worth it because pho is so good. It's so worth it. And you can buy that in the bulk aisle. You can just buy like three actual whole star anise. You don't need to actually like buy the, the bottle, but, um, or the whole jar. Yeah. So yeah, I think, you know, the food that I publish is generally what I'm eating and I'm actually making, it's like what I want to eat. Also though, I, I, you know, try to keep it real. I'm like, you know, I have a healthy food blog. So I try to think of like, what do people who are healthy want to eat? 
you know, black bean brownies. <laughs> you know what I mean? uh, hash brown, here's a night, like a uh, hash brown casserole is like one of the top Google searched recipes ever. So I made a healthy homemade hash brown casserole. I'd never yeah. even heard of that until I saw it in your book. Me either. It's like a mid, you guys, it's like a Midwestern cult following. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. There's so much. So how, like, do you usually, when, let's say for that chicken poblano soup thing, mm-hmm. like when you go home and you're whipping that up, do you usually nail it on the first time or are there several times when it's like, Ooh, that didn't quite work out. It needs more of this or needs more of that. So how much time are you spending perfecting recipes versus just like getting in there and cooking the thing and then writing it up? So just like anything, cooking and recipes come with experience. And at this point I've been developing recipes for like 12 years. So I would say 90% of the time I get it almost hundred percent right. But I, I make something, I have a rule for myself. I make something at least three times before I publish it on my blog. And then what do you do with all that food? <laughs> That's like my meal for the week. I have to ask week. like the minutia question. No, I love these questions. <laughs> like if I make my, and I'm single, I live by myself. And like, so my, like if I make, like I just posted um, the best healthy homemade veggie chili. It's like a vegetarian chili. Like I'll make that on Sunday. And that's lunch or dinner for me, Monday through Friday. Love it. Oh, wow. It's very yeah. do less. Yeah. It's very do less. Yeah. That's great. Right? Or- So you're not, de- you're not really cooking all, you like, do you have like a cook day where you're like, I'm in the kitchen this day or is it something that happens all week? I feel incredibly blessed to be in a position where my life is pretty flexible. So I might do it Saturday. I might do it Sunday. Yeah. I might do it Monday. But, you know, I usually make one or two things a week. And I, and I have a philosophy. This is in the book, cook once, eat two or three times. So even if I make, like, if I want to make some chicken, I would never make one chicken breast. It's always two or three to shred or to do something with for the next couple of days. And I'm okay eating that way though. Like I don't mind eating, you know, repeating things, but you can always make something and turn it into something else. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Okay. That's great. Can you talk about not just the food piece now, like you did, like you, you mentioned about the lifestyle is talk a, a little bit about the, I know that a lot of this is in your book, but just like the over, like the toxins that exist in a lot of our things. Like one totally. of the thing I really enjoyed and I was trying to find it here, but it was a chart about just like making your own dishwasher. Was it dishwasher detergent or not the dishwasher detergent, but making like, your own homemade cleaning sprays. Yeah. Yeah. And just like the importance of, creating a healthy habit when it comes to just the other stuff that's in our house. Totally. Yeah. I think it kind of goes back to once you start looking at all of the junk that's in food that naturally spills over to like all of the junk that's in everything else Mm -hmm. that's not needed. Right. So like the healthy homemade cleaning sprays that goes back to, again, my upbringing when my mom would just mix white vinegar with water and now we have essential oils. She didn't really have essential oils. Right. And that's what she cleaned with. Like that's how my mom cleaned our house. So the idea of going to Target and buying like 18 different bottles of cleaning solution is I'm like, what, why we don't need to do that. Like, I like some of it. I love, you know, some of the brands of like the basil smelling cleaning spray is really nice. And so I do get some of that stuff sometimes, but it's, it's less expensive and it's less toxic to use these really simple ingredients. Like baking soda will clean almost anything sea salt is a coarse scrub that will clean almost anything. Like we don't need to have all these really harsh abrasive things. I think for some people too, you know, only two of the chapters in the health 
habit are about food. The rest of it is about, it's how you think about your day and how you think about your health that sets you up to want to make better decisions. Look, if someone's unhealthy and the only thing they're thinking about is changing their food, that's why they'll never stick to it. You know, I'm just going to go on a diet. I'm just not going to eat French fries anymore. I'm just not going to eat this anymore. It's like, no, think about it. It's like changing your philosophy about how you view your life and how you view your home environment and what you allow in and, and what you want out of life. It's, it's more of a, a mindset book with a lot of tips. I do think there are a lot of concrete tips and that was my goal, yeah. but you know, it's, it's not, it's not just about food. And if you're struggling with the food piece, start somewhere else because that will spill over. If you start paying attention to what's in your laundry detergent, you're going to start paying attention to like, I, if you have blue dye in your laundry detergent, you probably have blue dye in some of your food. Right. And if you're willing to clean up your laundry detergent, then, you know, you go to eat the food. You're like, well, what's the blue dye in that? It's <laughs> a great point. It's, yeah, it's a great point. You know, one of the things I've always admired about you is how good you are with boundaries. And I know we all care about what other people think because we're wired that way. But I would say you're really healthy about that. And so from the perspective of we also know that a health habit is deciding what we're going to let in, which you just touched upon. Can mm -hmm. you talk about your practice of boundaries and any tips you might have with people who find themselves throwing themselves under the bus and possibly the health habit they're trying to make because yeah. they end up, you know, putting somebody else's needs first or people pleasing or whatever. Do you have any tips on that? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I think for me, and I haven't had a lot of time to distill this, so let me kind of think through it. I know, I'm just, just throwing this one at you. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. And I talk, and I talk about boundaries in the book. You do. I can read it to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please read it. No, I'm just kidding. I believe um, there is a whole thing about my favorite word. My favorite boundaries. word is boundaries. And I actually, boundaries literally are the cornerstone of living a happy existence. Yes. 100%. You are not going to live a happy existence if you do not have boundaries with yourself and with other people and with your work and all of the other things, right? Your children. Um, I think the nature of being introverted and I'm a social introvert. Like I, it fills me out to be around like the small groups of people. And I love connecting with like I had this conversation and I, I do love being around people, but that introverted nature, I think automatically does help create some boundaries. But I think ultimately, like if we want to go deep, we do not having boundaries is the ultimate form of self-sabotage, right? It's avoidance because it allows you to think of something other than what you actually need to either do, be, or create, right? So if you don't have boundaries with your time, it's because you're avoiding your dreams or what you're supposed to create or, you know, something. So, so not having boundaries is the, the grandest form of self-sabotage. Mm. Yeah. And I think the way to overcome that is to not necessarily develop boundaries, but develop self-awareness. Because if you can develop self-awareness around how you're sabotaging yourself, you can start to correct some of those things. Yeah. Can you over-boundary yourself? Yeah. So you can like sabotage yourself the opposite direction. I do think so. I think over-boundary is a form of protection. Yeah. yeah. In a lot of ways. I think for me personally, I'll share this personal experience with you guys. We were friends when I got divorced. You guys have known me while I was married and then through getting divorced. And for me, going through the divorce process, I had to create a lot of boundaries. That was, and that was difficult. Boundaries that I'd never created before. 
And I think it did come to a point where I had created so many boundaries, which is a form of protection, that I was isolating myself, right? But, and here's the thing, no one's 100% imperfect balance with boundaries 24 seven for their entire life. So you kind of swing back and forth, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, and that was good for me in that moment to be in that moment of my life. That's where I needed to be. And I was, you know, can swing back the other way with that. And I know for sure, I 100%, you know, I I don't think it's appropriate to list them here, but business-wise, I know that I've had such strict boundaries that I have lost out on opportunities. And I think for me, it's more just, or, or, you know, lost out on opportunities or, you know, maybe could have had a higher income in certain instances or could have had, you know, more exposure or could have, you know, been featured somewhere. But because I had such strong, you know, almost protected boundaries, that didn't happen. But in hindsight, I think that it allowed me to, you know, not be chasing something I shouldn't be chasing. Totally. So, so, you know, you do, there is kind of that risk of FOMO, but at the same time, you, when you have healthy boundaries, like, I feel like I have a very happy life because I live within the bounds of those, you know, of what I've created. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think it's that dance between our career aspirations and our quality of life. And sometimes the choice towards our career aspirations actually enhances our quality of life. And sometimes it actually doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so as somebody who has also created some boundaries that has caused me to miss out on opportunities Mm -hmm. for me, and I, you know, you and I, I think have this in common, our quality of life is so critical that I don't care Right. <laughs> Some of those totally. boundaries mean I miss out because like, I want to be here with my kids and I want to be yes. healthy, right? Like yes. whatever health habit you're focusing on, that often requires saying no to things that would endanger that habit, whether it's yeah. you know, going it goes out both ways. or travel, whatever. It goes both ways. It's so interesting to me. So like I have a boundary around being asked to show up at events that I know are time intensive, income intensive. And I know I'd be helping people, but it like drains my energy. So, you know, the impacting 20 people, I sacrifice for impacting, you know, 2000 on my blog, right? Yeah. So I have a boundary around that where I, and where I've chosen to have not a boundary. And, and I don't actually answer text messages if it's not somebody who I know personally. And I very rarely, you know, I have a personal phone number that only personal friends have. So if a friend ever texts me, like if Kate texted me and was like, you know, I don't care what time it is, it's 11 o'clock at night. You're like, I'm having a big issue that I, and I need to talk to you. I would get on the phone with you. Like, I don't have a boundary around that. But if I get a, hey, will you show up at our event? Here's all of the details text. I literally don't even respond to it. It's just not that that's like crossing one of my boundaries for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But it goes the other way too. You know, I used to have, and I talk about this in my book, I'm, I'm a moderator. So, you know, if somebody was around me for a week, they'd be like, wow, she's mostly vegan. Like, you know, eat super clean. Like I had an apple for breakfast today. That's just, I gravitate towards that type of food. And I don't have like a huge appetite is kind of my nature. So I'm not like, you, you know, that's just my nature. But then going out to restaurants and in social situations, like I love the sitting down to a nice restaurant. I love the experience. I love, if I'm at a nice restaurant, I love to order from the chef, like whatever the chef would have today. Or like if, if I ordered the salmon, I'd say however the chef would prepare it. And I don't necessarily stipulate it has to be gluten-free and dairy-free and vegan and all of these different things. So I've loosened up my boundaries around food and that, but it increases my level of experience. Yeah. You know, at mm. these, in these occasions. And I, as a recipe developer, I really appreciate the culinary experience. 
Totally. So I think sometimes we need to tighten up our boundaries and sometimes we need to loosen our boundaries. Absolutely. So we started this off by you talking about how you are, you sell stuff on the internet, right? But like, <laughs> like, do you consider yourself a chef or like, have you thought about like, is there like, does that resonate with you or no? Yeah. I consider myself a content creator. Chef is actually designation that you is required to go to school. Yeah. So I'm a no. home cook. Like I don't consider myself a doctor. You're a home cook. I'm a, I'm a home cook. I think I'm a great home cook. I grew up with a mom who made everything from scratch. Like this whole bone broth craze. I'm like, that's just soup. Like that's how my mom made soup every weekend of my life. Like it's so funny. <laughs> it's not, it's not like a new, like it's literally this soup. It's not new. And my mom came from farm people, right? So like, if, if I want, you know, whatever food, I just freaking make it, right? Like I just, yeah. we make everything from scratch. Like a cake, I remember being in college and one of my roommates was like, gonna make a cake for her boyfriend. And she, she's like, I'm gonna make a cake from scratch for my boyfriend. I was like, awesome. And she had like this Betty Crocker box. And I was like, I thought you were gonna make it from scratch. And she's like, this is, I'm like, no, from scratch would be like, you get the flour and the baking soda and the vanilla and the, you know, you get the ingredients and then you make it, you're just going to put a mix into a bowl, which is fine. I'm not knocking that because yeah. convenience is important. So this is not to knock that process, but like my idea from scratch of scratch and other people's idea of scratch is different. <laughs> and I've learned right. really cute. Yeah. My mom always tells this story of when she was little, her mom came in and my mom was like up on the kitchen cabinets, like looking up into the higher ones. She was standing on the counter. She was like five and like up in the high ones. And her, her mom, my granny was like, Christy, what are you doing up there? And my mom was like, I'm, I'm baking from scratch and I'm looking for the scratch. <laughs> Isn't that cute? That's so cute. I thought that That's was so cute. cute. Anyway, That's you were going to ask a question. Yeah, because we're getting yeah. towards the end of the interview. But um, what has been the biggest learning lessons for you writing this book? And like, cause now it's been out for what, two months, three months. Yeah. Three months. Um, your eyes were so funny. So like, just then you, cause your now, eyes just got really big. I can't you know, like, count. I was trying to count the months and I was like, uh, yeah, because like you go through the process of the idea, you get a contract, put the idea together and then you write it. And then you're like, okay, it's coming out. It's like, I'm done. I wrote it. And you're like, no, yeah, you got to promote it. And then you right. promote it and then it launches. And then you got like a launch hang hangover, maybe, you know, yes. not you necessarily, but it's like, you know, now it's three months out and it's like, you can reflect a little bit. So. Yeah. I don't even know what to say. I mean, I had no idea what the fuck I was doing through any of it. <laughs> and people are telling me that they love the book and it turned out really well. So, I mean, that's how I feel about it. That's not actually what happened. There's of course a lot of strategy that went into it. You know, I outlined it, I wrote it, scrapped that, re-outlined it. <laughs> you know, I, I think one of my gifts is creating like I said about the online courses, like something like a process people can follow. And that's what I was trying to create for people with this book. And Hey House was great, but it's like the first time you do anything, you have no idea what to expect next. You know, it's just the whole process, the editing process. Uh, Shubani Sakar did the layout of this book and design. And I think she did a fantastic job. So Absolutely. You know, going through the process of, she did Gwyneth Paltrow's books, right? So she had a lot of experience taking words and laying them out. So what I think people don't realize with a, this is a full color book with a book like this is that of course the words are mine and I wrote it, but then there's this whole other process of another person taking your words. I'm not a graphic designer. Like I didn't lay out the book. <laughs> I photographed a lot of the food and 
wonderful photographers helped me obviously photograph the food and did the photos of me, but it's just, it's a beast of a project. <laughs> and what's so interesting to me, I don't know if you could know this, Kate, because I mean, obviously you have your books. When I'm like, wow, this book is, you know, it's like $19 on Amazon, right? So it's a year of my life. It's, you know, the foundation of everything I know about health, right? This is like a 2000, if I was going to sell it, I could sell this as a $2,000 program, right? Oh yeah. And that's, that's what I do on the internet. And then I'm like, it's just wrapped up in a little bow that you could keep forever and take home with you for $19 on Amazon. I'm like, wow, that's a great deal for people. From the library. (laughs) From the library. Or from the library. Yeah, exactly. It's wild. It's wild. And it's even like, it's crazier (laughs) because I I actually think about this quite a bit because even with music, Mm. right? You know, like these artists spend like five years to like create a CD or a book, right? As we're talking Mm. books, but, and then it's like your song is $1.99. I know. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's weird. It's, it's, it's weird. But I mean, I think that's where then you get into, in order to make that your livelihood, obviously, right. then you need the yes. numbers and the traffic and the... Yes. And, the and I will say, I love that. When, and what I meant to say by all of that, like it is kind of like crazy to me, but I also love that. You know, yeah. I love that some, it's so accessible to somebody, yes. right? Sure. And, and like you said, they can go to the library and get it if it's not accessible for them to get it, mm-hmm. you know, on the website or on wherever they buy their books. So yeah, I love that. And I, and I'm excited to write my next book, which will be a recipe book. I'm excited to continue to create this type of content because it, it's giving people so much in an experience all wrapped up in a bow for something that they can take home. And it's, it's a, it's a great thing to do in addition to creating other things. Yeah. Amazing. That's awesome. Congratulations. Well, congratulations. Thank We're you. so happy for you. The book is gorgeous and I'm just, I'm like, I've loved knowing you for so long and just seeing the evolution. So where should people come find you? Obviously they should go order themselves or go to their store and get the health habit. And then where else? What else? They can can go to (laughs) elizabethrider.com and access over 300 recipes for free. Um, Get on the email list. I actually send a lot of free eBooks. So I tell people the longer you're with me on my email list, the more free stuff you get. Love that. And yeah. I mean, the blog is where everything's at. So I, that's where I would send people, you know, I do post on Instagram, you know, I'm, I'm other places, but the hub is the blog. Amazing. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thanks. Thanks we guys. Appreciate you. appreciate you guys. Hey there, do less has been fully revised and updated with a brand new subtitle, which is a revolutionary approach to time and energy management for ambitious women. You can now pre-order this paperback version, which will be out April 7th, but when you pre-order it by April 6th, you will get access to a four-week virtual live book club with me, the author. So all you need to do is go over to katenorthup.com forward slash book. You also get five other incredible bonuses, but that's how you can pre-order and get in on the book club, katenorthup.com forward slash book.